the name of this episode is obviously a uh, an homage to Credence Clearwater Revival, Clay. So I'll open this with mm. two questions for you. Is Credence one of the top three American rock bands of all time? And if so, is Fortunate Son their best song? Uh, question one, yes. Uh, I actually used to play in a Credence Clearwater Revival cover band, um, which was awesome. Um yeah, they they are they're a great band. I don't think they get talked about enough because they don't. Uh, nobody else sounds like them. Yeah. Uh, I but just a lot to of bands, and to break that off is uh, when you actually say American rock bands, it actually knocks the number of classically considered great rock bands down right. quite a bit. So they they do right. comfortably fit into it, but it's um it's limiting when you say only American rock bands. It's weird because it does it knocks a lot of those other bands off, but you also kind of it's easy to forget like bands like sly and the family stone and that that are american rock bands but aren't explicitly like rock rock bands right. they're more like kind of like funk bands and stuff um but yeah as far as like straight up rock bands go from america they have they are pretty high on the list for me yeah um fortunate son their best song uh you know i've never thought about it but probably mm. as far as like original s- songs go I think it represents it what they are the most. Yeah. Like, what's, what's interesting to Credence about me is that they are kind of a rootsy rock band, but like a lot of a lot of bands that I really tend to like, they they have a very subtle punk influence. So, not an influence, but like they're they're almost like proto punk in a lot of ways. Sure, sure. And it, it gives them a kind of edge that's different from everything else that was of the era. But they also they, like they. You know, Fortunate Son is basically a more rootsy version of a Ramon song in a lot of ways. Like it's it's fairly yeah, I can see that. it's fairly simple and straight ahead, but they they have more of a musical approach to it, I guess you would say. But I, I think it sums up Credence's like what you would define Credence as as a band is pretty definitively determined in Fortunate Son. Even if you don't, you know, it's hard to say if it's their best song, but I think if you were to pick a song that represents them, it would be Fortunate Son. Yeah, it's a, it is a punky song in that like it's the angriest song they have, I yep. think. Yeah. And it's like very Fogarty's voice is just screaming that, basically in song. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can feel his how he feels about the establishment at that yeah. point. <laughs> uh but if if you only know CCR from like the stuff you hear on the radio, uh and I don't mean you specifically, I mean the you know, the royal you. Um, you should check out some of their their full albums because their albums they've got a lot of like deep cuts that are really really good. Yep, I think that's it for our dad corner. Our dad corner and slight uh, slight revival of Radio Star Murders right there for a everybody, second. Everybody, everybody under everybody under uh, twenty eight just rolled their eyes so hard <laughs> they passed out. <laughs> we'll be back. We'll play a clip from the episode Fortunate Son, and then we're going to come back and break it down. The Earth cargo ship Fortunate. Y-class freighter, maximum speed, warp 1.8, crew complement, 23. Not counting newborn babies. Benson? I grew up on a J-class, a little smaller, but the same basic design. And one thing I can tell you is that at warp 1.8, you've got a lot of time on your hands between ports. That's how my parents wound up with me. Do you have any helpful information on this vessel beyond its recreational activities? For example, what kind of weapons they carry? Well, typically nothing more than a low-yield plasma cannon. But most freight haulers would have upgraded the first chance they got. Why's that? Think about it. You're a dozen light years from home with 20 kilotons of dilithium ore in your hold, armed with nothing but a pop gun for shooting oncoming meteors. What would you do? Okay, this is Fortunate Son. It's the 10th episode of the first season of Star Trek Enterprise. It aired on November 21, 2001, written by James Duff, directed by LeVar Burton. LeVar Burton's getting a lot of uh, director credits this early on in Enterprise. Yeah. In this episode, Enterprise is sent to assist the Fortunate, an Earth freighter that has been attacked by Nausicaan pirates, but the Fortunate may not be as innocent as it seems. And here we go with this one. I think that I... um. I don't know if the uh, to quote someone who was talking in the Discord, not necessarily about this, but I, I think the bloom is off the rose for me in terms of what um, maybe that's a harsh way to say, it, but I, like I'm starting to see where Enterprise wants to go as a series. I think by this mm-hmm. point, and um, I think that what we were talking about in previous episodes, where we were kind of hinting at the show, like not really fully embracing 
what it would kind of push the episodes over the edge. I think this is yet another example of that. And what I yeah, I think what we're doing is that we have a series here that is desperate to sort of world build in a way, but because they're still telling stories in a very traditional Star Trek way, which is based on the other series that came before it, it can't really become its own thing in any way. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I think everything in this episode that's about like what it means to be a starship captain versus these freighters that have been existing and how Starfleet is kind of taking over and usurping what used to be the old way is like a really fascinating idea. But the episode is not about that, unfortunately. And what it is about is far less interesting than that. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be a couple good ideas uh, wrapped in a fairly stock Star Trek premise, like to the, stock to the point where, as everything was playing out about halfway through the episode, I was I, I said to myself, I don't even know what these freighters really want from this prisoner they have. They just they 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 keep giving them like uh, 1960s World War II German. Uh, Nazi lines where they're like, "Vaz the codes." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like that's all you know. It's like I don't know what codes they want. They're mad, obviously, because they're they, these guys are pirates. But like, I the the that stuff isn't what the interesting stuff about it. And the the interesting ideas are given kind of short shrift because they're funneled through Travis, who has a unique point of view, but is very easily easily swayed in either direction yeah. all it takes is like one conversation for him to be like yeah yeah you know what you're right i would like to be a, a radicalized space trucker and then arch is like well maybe don't and he's like yeah you're probably right i probably shouldn't yeah you know? <laughs> so you know what i mean like it doesn't focus on him and his internal struggle long enough to for that to really like take hold yeah and it just turns into like i i was there's another episode where i was wishing it wouldn't play out so uh uh familiar uh like i i was i was hoping that whatever this guy and these guys did would end up with like their ship getting destroyed or something yeah, you know yeah like so, something where again there were some sort of consequences to the actions they took instead of a, a, a resolution that i don't really know really benefits anybody what's i think what's funny about it and we've, we've kind of hinted at it in the previous episodes is that i think archer is somewhat flawed in construct at this point like he's um like this series is all supposed to be like learning what it takes to become uh the federation basically like where Mm -hmm, the federation mm -hmm. came from the problem is that archer and the crew come into situations with an already established viewpoint of what they want to do with things like so it's a we're not really learning how they determined or how they developed to this Federation sensibility right. as much as these characters have this point of view and they insert and they insert it on top of every situation that they come into. Mm-hmm. And so, which ends up, sorry, I was just going to say, which ends up making it feel kind of preachy. Yes. if it, This feels the most preachy out of all of it. And, and I think that what it also does is that when you add situations like this, which is a very, the setups here are very unique, which is that the Federation is dealing with pirates, which you don't really see in a lot of like later Star Trek because they've kind of settled the land so they don't have to deal with this stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And so you have this ethical conundrum about what's the right way to deal with pirates. And Archer comes in, and I think every Archer scene in this one is so bizarre because Archer's response is not even really what people are asking him. He's just kind of like <laughs> – like the, the scene where Travis comes in and is like um, – Hey, like maybe we should let the fortune it just protect itself and do whatever it needs to do. Arch is like, son, people are people. <laughs> and Travis is just like, you know what? You're right. And he walks off and it's like, well, what the, the fuck was that? He didn't answer anything. And so Archer has this like predetermined viewpoint that he gives onto a situation, but he never really has to think about why he's saying that. The series knows he has to say that because that's what Star Trek is supposed to represent. And it's just a little frustrating. In this one, I felt like he was just like basically morally compromised because the other scene that's bizarre is, uh, and to, to throw it to you about this, is when they have, when they, the freighter guys reveal that they have this Nausicaan mm-hmm. and 
He's like, well, the Nausikans came and they attacked us and they shot this guy and they put the captain in the hospital and, uh, you know, we captured one of them and we're holding him in the brig. And Archie goes, what gives you the right to do that? It's like, well, yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what are you expecting to do? Yeah. They were attacking yeah. me and we basically arrested him. So Archer is in this weird position where his morals make no sense to me in a lot of ways. Yeah, like I get what they're trying to do with him and, and the 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 uh uh more the moral stance that they're trying to have him take as being like the the uh 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 impartial party who can look at it a little bit more objectively and and find a peaceful solution or whatever but yeah in, in given the situation i and especially given how archer has reacted to things like this in the past you'd think he'd be a little bit more uh um what's the word uh, on he, you think he'd be on the on the trucker's side a little, a bit, little more. bit more practical, I would expect from Archer. Yeah, yeah. at the very, you know, it's one of those things where it's like I I I feel like instead of uh, you know, chewing out the the trucker captain here or first mate, um, and taking all the although I did like the the scene where he he calls up Trip and he's like, yeah, take all the shit off their step. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like okay, that's that's kind of good, um, but. That is kind of an extreme. A lot of extreme responses in this episode, but I, I'm surprised. Like, I feel like the 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 correct answer in that situation is okay. Well, um, the Nausikans are more powerful than you, but we are probably more powerful than they are. So, how about we go and talk to them as a team? Right. You know, so, something something like that, where uh, where you're not uh, vilifying the people who have just been attacked and killed, <laughs> <laughs> victim and, blaming, and start. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, he takes it he he takes the Nausicaan side oddly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Even at the end when even at the end when they're threatening to kill everybody, uh, you know, they're threatening to blow up the Nausicaans or whatever. Like that is all in service of the, of the the truckers giving the Nausicaan prisoner back and that's it. Yeah. And when the guy is like, "Okay, but how is like I I feel like Travis's argument at the end where he's like i'm thinking about my family and and how they might uh it might come back on on my people because of what you've done um from the truck from the trucker's point of view i'd be like okay well now they know we're pushovers yeah so they might just wait till you're gone and kill us anyway yeah i was expecting that with the incredibly long shot of the nausicans leaving the hallway at the end where it's like five minutes of them running down the hallway looking backwards i was like oh they're gonna do something but no they just around the corner are gone but you're you're expecting a kind of betrayal that never comes from them yeah i almost like (laughs) i don't know what this does to uh to serve archer or the or starfleet as characters and concepts but i almost kind of wish uh, Archer had uh, mediated the situation the way he did, and then they realized that the Nausicans just killed them anyway. Right? Yeah. You know, where it's like another I, mistake. I, in that, yeah, I don't know what he takes out of that necessarily, <laughs> but it seems to me to be a more interesting uh, ending than than just like uh, Starfleet. The the uh, the God Hand of Starfleet comes in and, and makes everything better. Yeah, because. The the setup here is fascinating where Starfleet is, uh, unlike the other series, like people are kind of suspicious of Starfleet. Like it's a it's a changing of the culture in a way that these freighters are slowly getting replaced by these fast new starships that have a totally different mm-hmm. ethos. And it's no longer like it's really no longer a family run business. It's you're being bought out by Walmart and being forced to engage right. in a kind of Walmart lifestyle. And you could see this like really interesting take on why there would be pushback against that and like the culture sort of fighting back about being forced to upgrade their warp engines and they like things this way god damn it and instead you 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 have this like ripe area for showing problems with what was a difficulty in starting the federation right and like the federation is not over powerful and on the present at this point and they just really barely touch on that and i but i i think that that's the only interesting thing that it really has going for it and i want more of that world building because i think that that's vital to the story and instead having this nausicaan subplot makes the i think it makes the ryan character who's the first mate seem stupid in a way that is not fair to that character really like Mm -hmm. He has a he has a point that Archer is just not listening to, and that the show itself does not respect his point about 
his basically his right to self-defense in this situation. Right. And right. I just find that that's really weird. There's a whole thing that you can really explore about that. And Archer has to compromise, but we still head towards a better solution than what the killing all the Nausicans are. But it just comes out so clean in the end that it's unsatisfying. Yeah, you know, I think I think this would have been a good because they set it up kind of a little bit early in the episode. I think this would have been a good opportunity to have Archer address get into the situation. So cuz he gets the uh the communication from the admiral or whoever and says, "Ah, we need you to check this thing out." He goes to check it out, sees what's going on. I think it would have been a good opportunity to have him come back and send a message back to the admiral and have the admiral give him uh, 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 give him uh, not orders, but uh, advise him on the situation from the uh, bureaucratic Starfleet end of things. Yeah, and for Archer to decide that that was not the right way to do it, and then handle it differently in in, in that kind of you know what I mean? Where right. it's like if if it's all if this is all about oh the, the the hand of Starfleet is is crushing us and and we have no power to do anything on our own, then you have the Starfleet actively doing that or actively giving him direction as to as to what the the starfleet way of handling would be and he in that moment realizes that no there's a gray area here that i need to make a different call that's that goes i'm not disobeying orders but maybe not everything is so black and white especially if you're not the one who's out here right you know in the shit yeah i because that's I, what they call space in the show they call it the shit right <laughs> i think that uh like the um it even kind of ties it like I, I don't really have a problem with talking to the admiral, but it's it it is a little bit strange in this situation that they're supposed to be really far out there, the Enterprise, right? Like they're they're in the mm-hmm. far reaches of space, but they can they still have like this very easy communication back home. I, I kind of wondered. Well, if that I, they got letters in the last episode. Yeah, that's that's, that's even worse. <laughs> two episodes ago. <laughs> I, but I would like. That's like you, I think that you have to play up the fact of the the enterprises out there in these strange new worlds with like unforeseen circumstances, and they have to act as a kind of arbiter uh, in mm. a lot of new ways. And the Archer character doesn't act that way. And I don't know how I would feel about Starfleet telling him what to do because I don't really know what the sense of Starfleet is at this point. Like Starfleet to me mm-hmm. seems from the pilot, it's basically three people in a room, really. Like yes, there's not yeah, a lot yeah. going on with it, so it's hard to say what they would be up to, but. Yeah, it, Archer Archer taking that stance with so little reflection, I think, is wrong for this series. This series, to me, is all about reflection and uh, education, and he's not doing either of those things, and the crew is not doing right. either of those things. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably saying this because I just watched Crimson Tide a couple days ago, but I was, uh, I was thinking it would be actually, it would be fun if... If, uh, you know, they set up the thing that their messages are kind of like not really clear and they're kind of breaking up and stuff. If uh, he gets his orders from Star- from Starfleet back about how to address the situation, but it's a broken message. Yeah, right. So he has there are multiple ways for him to uh, 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 interpret it, one of which is a lot more violent than the other. Right. But I think that's a complete that's a completely different episode. <laughs> they should do that. That would work well. Sub stuff always works good in Star Trek. So they should do They should do an episode <laughs> like that. There you go. That's a perfect episode for Strange New World right there. You can end it with just the uh the characters standing on the top of the ship out in space in space suits is like they're like floating along in space and just talking yes. to each other. Um Yeah, it's the, the the way that these and the other thing that this episode does is obviously it focuses on Travis. Um and I think Brandon Braga I was reading had a quote about that they they, they admitted after the series was over that they kind of fucked that character up a little bit. Like he, he's a concept that they were saying is interesting on paper, but once you start having to write him, you're not really sure where you can go with it. Sure. sure. Um, and like the, it's interesting. Um, and also I, I think that they don't play up the awkwardness of uh, when T'Pol is giving the, the briefing. He's like, Hey, Everyone fucks on freighters. Everyone know that? Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's having a lot of sex on the freighters because there's a lot of time. And so I'm interested in learning more about that. But I I think as interesting as his like uh, conception is, I don't really know how different humans would be if they were born in space. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. – I, I, I understand living in the ship is kind of a different thing, but it's it doesn't really sell that whole difference to me in a way that – works and i think that's also to the detriment of the episode is that travis's point of view is not really as like um 
interesting as it could be, or it's not as uh, like thought provoking in any sense. It's just like, yeah, they're born in space and they take a long time to go places. So they have a slightly different job than Starfleet does now. And he's, he's just a character that again, looks good on paper. I probably agree with Braga that he looks good on paper, but it's hard to say where he goes from that point. Yeah. I think it's tough to, to really do anything with that unless you have a a good concept of how, those people are different yes and you can only get that through seeing how they you know address situations and live their lives and it would be a star trek show with the freighter as the ship basically yeah but also i think travis is at a disadvantage doubly because a they don't spend enough time with him to get an idea of how he might be different being someone who was born and raised on a freighter ship and b uh, he is already in Starfleet, so that is probably hammered out of him already anyway. Right. Yeah. He, he's already shown him to be... He, he's not a character of that world, which is the point of him, that he's in Starfleet now, and he's like, yeah. he's got his own thing. And it's also... It's weird, too, because like, I, I, was th- I was thinking about how, you know, in Deep Space Nine and, and other, other TNG episodes and stuff... Usually they have like a bit of a precursor to what the main story is that ends up relating thematically or whatever. And you don't ever get a sense that this is going to involve Travis until it involves Travis. Yeah. So like there's no he he's like the the easy way to do it would be have him recount some harrowing thing on a freighter and how he felt about it when they were boarded by pirates or something like that, which they never really do. His parents weren't really... killed, right? And that attack, or were they? I can't remember. He he mentions that it's something bad happened to his ship. His parents weren't killed in it, though, right? Oh, I guess maybe I missed that. I guess he does have that scene, but uh, I I I guess generally I I would assume that thing comes like earlier before any of the other stuff happens. Yeah. So you already have that as like relatable story from him instead of him being like, oh yes, this also happened to me. Yes, but no. His parents, his parents aren't killed because he. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Because at the end, he's talking about his family being on the ship that his the Event Horizon that his parents. Were on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that would be great. That would be. That would be <laughs> well, My when you were talking were about the recording from the Admiral, I was expecting it to be that like Liberate tutte me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were carrying this experimental warp drive that we. Uh, accidentally opened up into another dimension and stuff got weird we're all fine though Can except for that one you guy see? except for that one doctor we had he kind of went nuts yeah he's i think um I, I i do think that you need a sense of like what the freighters are doing and why they view starfleet as kind of a, a problem which i i think this episode hints at but is not really fully expanded upon uh but i Hmm. I would like, you know, I'd like to see Archer come into this situation and he's kind of unaware of the bad side of Starfleet in some way. Like, we yeah. we don't really know where Archer's coming from uh, in this series yet because they haven't done a tremendous amount of backstory. We all, all that we know is that his father invented the warp drive and he apparently got the job because he's And he nepotism. won't shut up about yeah, he it. he won't give up about it. And, like, I, like, you know, if Archer was sort of the sheltered... A uh, person who never really had gone out into deep space before this and wasn't aware of the machinations and how societies and how cultures had developed and stuff, you could kind of understand his naivete about this, and maybe he mm-hmm. stumbles into it and makes a mistake and then learns the difference or learns like how to re- interact with people. But he is again, he's he's a paragon of Starfleet at a point where he should not be that character yet. Like mm, he he exactly. hasn't gotten yeah. to that point. Yeah, definitely. That still that still seems to it, that's still the biggest failing for me with this show is is how he sort of um, he's both fully formed and oddly one dimensional at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So he does he kind of has his thing that he does, uh, but he is he is a uh, unmoving character in stories where th- theoretically there should be some character movement. Yeah. It, that and his and his uh, unmovingness <laughs> um, is not like a, a part of the story. You know, it's right. just like that's not part of his thing. Is that oh, he's just really stoic about everything. It's just the way that they're writing him, and they're, it's not really jiving with the stories that they're telling. From yeah, him. yeah, it's a good point. He's not. The show isn't commenting on his stoicness or his sort exactly. of his predetermined yeah. nature. It's just like yeah, he's got the right answer. 
this is how he figured it out, and we're going to get to it at that point. It's also weird that... And then when he doesn't have the right answer, he doesn't catch any shit for it. Right, yeah. And he's he's an interestingly important character in this... Like, I, I guess this is a Mayweather episode, a Travis episode, but I think Archer is the more important character in it. Like, Travis is just kind of giving the spice to it. Like, he's kind of giving mm-hmm. a little bit of lore backstory to things, but Archer is still the primary driver i guess i would say so a little bit distracting they were a little bit um schizophrenic there and where they i think where they want to get the point of view coming from in my opinion primary driver the atom driver you might say that's right the best driver (laughs) um fortunate son talked about the boomers talked about their their freighters um the nausicans do you remember the nausicans are they from deep space nine no, they uh, they might be in Deep Space Nine at some point, but their big one is they're from TNG, the Tapestry episode, where Picard goes back in time and fixes getting stabbed in the heart. Do you know that episode? Oh, okay. I knew I had seen them before, but I couldn't place where they were from. Very Predator-esque in their right, appearance. Right, yeah. Uh, they're yeah. wearing, like, leather jackets, strangely. <laughs> in this. I think their <laughs> costuming is kind of funny in this, but uh, other than that, I, I don't really have a lot to do with them. They're pirates. They, uh yeah, I was just going to say that I think they are also a problem because in order for this to really work, I feel like you need to have the freighters have a lot more to them or have the bad guys have a lot more to them. And the bad guys don't really have – you don't really get any idea what they're about other than just like generic pirates. Yeah, pirates. Um, so it's it's a little tough to really super care about what's happening. I'm fine uh, with the Nausicans being this way. I, I think that yeah. that's. I think that you know, encountering a violent group who is just taking advantage of the fact that you can't protect yourself out in space is fine for. That's what the Nausicans kind of need. It is, as you said at the start, Archer siding with them is terrible, really, uh, and you're not given a good sense of why that would be happening. So I, I think that I think the main failing is just not a. a depth of character to ryan and their motivations for wanting to be that way or if the show does say why they want to be that way because i think ryan does say like he's like why can't we just be left alone basically the show doesn't respect his argument there enough and it it ends up underselling his point and underselling the plot yeah i was kind of expecting them to go the other way that they usually do these kind of things where you you track the monster back to the monster's lair and then you realize the monster has babies. Yes. It's the monster egg. has a family too. Uh, you know, like it's one of those things where they, they show up to the Nausicaan asteroid and they're getting ready to blast it, but they're like, they have kids on the it's, ship. There's, a star, there's an orphanage with no food. All the Nausicaans yeah, are delivering exactly. food to the orphanage. Yeah, we pirate from ships to feed all these, these <laughs> parentless children. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, know, if you take a Robin Hood approach to it. That's a way to add a little bit of depth to this. I don't think that this needs a Robin Hood angle, but obviously there's something no. that you could do with it. But I was expecting some sort of turn like that, something other than... Uh, <laughs> they show up and uh, the Nausicaans just lie to them. Yeah. And uh, they're like, I can't believe they lied to us. The pirates lied. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a lot of, um, I'm noticing a, a lot of random just this ship is more powerful than that ship logic in these early Enterprise yeah. episodes where they're just like, mm-hmm. oh, their ship is stronger than us. and, and Or it's like, yeah, we're like, we're stronger than you, so we get to do it. But it's done in a very... Um, it's done in a very sort of simple, uh, simplistic way that's just done to highlight which way the drama is flowing. Like, it, right. it, it's not really, it doesn't feel natural. It's just like, well, the Enterprise has to be stronger here because they have to be able to destroy these Nausicans because if they can't, then our plot runs into problems where the Nausicans are going to destroy us, you know? Right, right, yeah. It ends up turning into a, a who can, who's, who's, has the bigger older brother yes yeah it's just a rock paper scissors game where you hope that you come out uh, on top or something yeah 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 it's it's a weird you know again though it's like i don't think it's a bad episode i think it's i my i don't know if that the lead freighter there is really doing uh the highest quality work he could be doing but um what do you what do you mean by that like acting wise, I oh, thought he was yeah. a little over the yeah, top. He's yeah, uh, Ryan. Especially that <laughs> that opening, the opening scene where they're playing zero gravity football, and like they're they're 
yelling at each other <laughs> as though they are there's like a hundred <laughs> yards between them. Yeah. But like it's like they're recording it in a in a in a sound stage where the next place over needs super quiet. Yeah. So they have to like kind of pretend that they're yelling. And so it kind of comes off really weird. Uh, um, yeah, it's another one of the uh, the tent scenes from Strange New Worlds where they have the wind and they have to sort of dub over it or whatever. But this is this is kind of the same, but a little bit different. Yeah, and I assumed that I guess it was probably intentional, but I assumed that guy was his dad in the first scene, but obviously it wasn't. But I guess the idea is that oh, the captain, on the freighter, yeah, yeah. I think he's just a captain. I think there's a right. Yeah, yeah I think I think after after uh, Travis's speech and everything it's like oh yeah the family it's they're like family yes. blah 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 yeah most interesting aspect of this episode the uh the ending scene between the two captains which i really like but was captain keen trying to hook up with archer why is he he's like why don't you sit on this couch and take your shirt off and have a drink with me he's like why don't you, why don't you have a drink with me why don't you have a drink with me it was a uh, i've uh i've been in a coma for two weeks and a lot of things have come into perspective. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I'd like to do some things I should have done in college. <laughs> a little late to this, but it's interesting because why does Archer turn his his drink down there? I don't know. Are they highlighting um, the fact that these are two different worlds that are never going to get together? Because if that's the case. I think the better version of the episode, Archer learns something, is he has a drink with the guy. They kiss in the rain. Right. Oh, okay. I'm exactly. sorry. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That last scene was weird because it was it was very much like the, the captain just woke up and had no idea what happened. Right. Yeah. So he's like, "Oh, oh man. Hey, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks for looking out for my shit. I don't know what happened. I just woke up 20 minutes ago. But uh, you want to get like a drink or something and talk <laughs> shop? And Archer's like, I just saved your people and from murdering a bunch of other you know what not the time maybe next time archer's response is the made-up dick response he's like i got i we're busy we got to get out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like why i don't really understand the point of turning that captain down because their their conversation is extremely cordial and friendly with each other and i just think that the show didn't know whether or not it wanted to play them as antagonistic which it does not do at all except for the fact that archer refuses to hang out with them or mm-hmm. if they wanted to show it as some kind of bonding session where Archer is getting a glimpse into this captain's life that is different from his and how they're similar and stuff like that. But at that point, him refusing the drink is just a real dick move on Archer's part. Yeah, I almost kind of feel like uh, it shouldn't be Archer who does that. It should be Travis. Yeah, yeah. Because at least there's some connection, like world to world, there. Yeah, um, Archer has yeah, the role. The, if they're two captains, it's role to role, like how they view their responsibilities. But Travis has the more personal connection to understanding what it means like to live that life. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like Archer doesn't really for for all the stuff we're talking about. Archer doesn't earn that sort of ending, right? Like the story is not about Archer uh realizing the di- you know it's that that's not what the story's about so it feels weird to give him that sort of uh, beat at the end yeah um yeah i don't know it's just it's, it's just yeah it's, it i liked the scene it just felt confused in a way that i think it matches the rest of, rest of the script i guess there because i think it's all it's all those things it's like you're you're unsure who the main character of this one is is it archer or is it travis it's unsure of like whether or not there's actually a conflict between these two groups of people or whether or not they can get past it whether or not anyone has learned anything so it just feels it feels of a piece which is scattershot and strange at the very end i wish there was an extended scene where uh he says, no, maybe not this time, maybe next time. And then he leaves and Travis is there and he goes, that's their captain. These guys are going to be dead in a week. <laughs> and I guess the uh, the subtle hints of like stay and have a drink with me and have some sex comes from Travis's whole thing about everyone's fucking on these freighters. <laughs> so, I mean, like, is this captain just like, oh, man, I haven't, I haven't had an orgasm in 20 minutes since I need, I need an archer you, here. You know, would you like to stay for a drink? There's only 28 people on this show. <laughs> 29 there's like a counter on his wall that just keeps going up and up with the the newborn babies there's only 28 people on this ship and i have had the same meal for a while the um before we go to final thoughts one line that i did like that maybe i'm reading too much into is when they're talking about how at warp five we can do what used to take five years and six months right now and the Mm -hmm. guy the guy ryan has some line about 
then you don't enjoy the journey or something. Like you don't have time to sure. You don't have time to enjoy the trip or something if you go that fast. Which is, I thought it was a nice poetic piece of dialogue, but it doesn't really have anything to do with anything in the episode itself. It's just kind of his uh, perspective on it. But I did like the line I, for what it could have been. I feel like they should have saved that and have Trip use it as a pickup line. Mm. <laughs> in a rowboat, it can take six months to get somewhere. <laughs> Let's uh, take a break. We'll play a quote from the episode. We'll come back, read patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about Fortunate Son. So you think we should just let Ryan take on the Nausicans? Don't underestimate a freighter crew, sir. My father never ran into any trouble he couldn't handle himself, Nausicans included. So what happens to the Nausicans? Sir? Suppose Ryan finds the ship that attacked him. Maybe it's been damaged, and the fortunate is more than a match for them. What do you think Ryan will do? He'd probably try to blow them out of the sky. I don't know about you, Travis, but that doesn't sit right with me. Human beings have a code of behavior that applies whether they're Starfleet officers or space boomers, and it isn't driven by revenge. Just because someone isn't born on earth doesn't make him any less human all right thank you very much guys for listening if you enjoyed the content you can go to patreon.com slash the penske file and support the show there a couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff extra podcasts extra behind the scenes stuff we did commentary videos all that good stuff patreon.com slash the penske file and if you're a captain tier supporter you get a special shout out right now special thank you to alec dewolf andrew Sherlock, ben douglas captain brazen cardinal doomsday chris tinsley christian michaels christian pouch darth moss david beardmore Jane, david k Dwayne hackett eric johnson eric eric's antoine hh28 jacob123 jakey's gamer joint mango jordan cooper kevin lowry kevin reyes cal barrett mad courier matt cutler matt houston matt ross mike burnett mike harris nathan elliott neil brennan nick sergey robert cummins russell Elliott, sammy custer grim santo sean stefan minton tark latif tom hells and vault 13 hero this list is getting too long which is sounds like a complaint <laughs> it is absolutely not a complaint but thank you very stop much stop giving us money i have, I have to take two god two, <laughs> to take two breaths to get through all this ah <sighs> But no, seriously, thank I, you guys. Now I know what it feels like to be Michael Jordan. I know. <laughs> I'd actually say uh, I did this all on my own, and I have no one here to thank but me. So <laughs> He's actually very gracious with the rest of his team on that show, and then he throws most of them under the bus for not working hard enough. Yes, I know. <laughs> and he, but he, he, he praises uh, people on his team. I don't think he ever praises anyone he ever played against, which is uh, a part of that mindset, I suppose. But yeah. Yeah, have you watched the whole show? No. There's a great uh there's a great bit later in I think in like one of the later episodes where they're talking to this one uh guy who was guarding him uh during the playoffs one year and this guy's being like, "Yeah, you know, I I I just I everybody backs down from Michael, but I didn't. I stood up to him and I think I really, you know, I I really gave him a gave him a game." And they cut to Jordan watching this on like a, a tablet with this smirk in his face. And he's like, I didn't have any problem with that. guy." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's a uh, I- interesting personality, I suppose, or like a interesting outlook on things just to be so driven. Um, yeah. It's, it's a, yeah. To be that successful, you kind of have to, that's to be the best. You got to have that mindset, I guess. Yeah. He's just the, the most fascinating thing about it is every every single thing he turns into motivation to to just destroy people. Yes, yeah. And there was one bit where he was talking about where he uh, uh, just makes up. He stuff. actually, yeah, he made stuff up. Yeah. Where it's like, did anybody actually ever say that? And he's like, no. <laughs> but I had to, that's I had to believe that they did in order for me to to get there. Yeah, it's just just going against lights and stuff. It's, it's kind of interesting though. Like if you. Like if you if you were, I think LeBron is his next biggest competitor for greatest of all time, right? And mm-hmm. LeBron doesn't have his mentality, but I would say that LeBron has been more successful in a comprehensive way as to what it means to be a basketball player in terms of mm-hmm. like 
it's not just good at the game, but he's gotten a lot out of it. Like he's doing, like he does like movie production and stuff. Like he's kind of branched out into these ways that bring in more sure. money and more sort of uh, acclaim for himself. Where Jordan was really just about the sneaker deals, I suppose, but that's not even really it. Like it was just about the, the game to him. Right. And I don't right. know which you would personally find more satisfying. I think sports fans teams seem to respect the Jordan aspect more, even if I think there's an argument you like LeBron is the better player. If you were to, draft one of them you'd probably go lebron i think but that's just pure basketball skill and not this like must win mentality that brady probably has similarly like brady is an extremely tom brady is an extremely boring person who only wants to win football games but right that's like a respectable trait for a football player yeah and i mean hey lebron seems like he's got more interest outside of basketball and he also has fewer championships so take yeah. that to me when will yeah yeah no, that's that's what the trade off is. All right, guys, thank you very Although, much. Although Kobe Bryant has an Oscar and he's got five, I think, right? Uh, Oscars? Does he have? No, he's got an. He's got five. Cha- does he have five championships? Co uh, would Co- Kobe would have five, wouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. Let's go to Patreon thoughts. Patron thoughts for these episodes. If you leave. Uh, if you're the five dollar tier, you get to comment on upcoming episodes, and we read them. And then I get to click the F Control F button. I find them. Matt Ross says, "Fortunate son, this was something we never got to see before: the space economy. It's bizarre that the merchant space marine has no protection. You would think Earth would ramp up its navy, considering the unknown sad note of the freighter North Star, which we don't know about. And for instances like this, the XO Morrison makes a good point on whom would run freight if everyone is in Star on who would run freight if everyone is in Starfleet." His recalcitrance at moving faster and new tech is odd, probably due to the hidden Nausicaan. It is also interesting to see him chafing at Starfleet trying to be the cops, attacking the enterprising crew. He might have well screamed, get off my land. And what's the end game for the fortunate here? Makes you wonder how United Earth is in practice. Enterprise really needs something better than lame torpedoes and better shielding. Archer's speech is not the right one here. This isn't about respecting a different culture. It's about the rule of law. Travis's speech is too idealistic as well. Pirates should be treated with the receiving end of a torpedo or phaser, and the captain of the freighter was asleep the entire time. Where was he again? A fun yet silly story. You know, I think a failing of this might be that I don't think that they should keep the the Nausicaan prisoner a secret. Because then if, if the Enterprise knows about that sooner... It gives you a little bit more wiggle room to deal with the consequences and and the ramifications of what that means and what everybody's approach is instead of making it like this one-sided mystery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because then it becomes an an ethical question instead of it becoming, you know, the pirates are now being pirated. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's, it's, it's weird. The episode disguises it, disguises it as a kind of like weak mystery for about 10 minutes at yeah, the start, and then like, it reveals what's actually going on, and there's no real if, point to the mystery. If the point of your episode is to, to place uh, Starfleet's uh, outlook up against the outlook of these freighter pilots, then I feel like if, you, if the Enterprise knows about the uh, prisoners sooner than later... Then you've got, okay, we're telling the Enterprise about this. The Enterprise are telling us this is what we should do. And then the freighters are pushing back against that. And they're like, see, I knew Starfleet was going to screw us. Like that kind of, you know, that yeah. kind of thing, which is, is a much more natural way to get into that other than this, you know, because then you don't have to worry. Because I feel like that's where you, you can feel the, the, the thinness of that idea that they ended up going with because they keep cutting back to them like slapping around this Nausicaan for like shield codes and yeah, shit. Yeah. And it's like, it just doesn't, there's nothing there. There's no meat to that story. There's also, I think, interesting conflict there where say that they reveal the Nausicaan and then the freighter's like, we're going to go get our revenge. We'll see you guys later. I'm not sure what ground Starfleet has to stop them, right? Like the freighters right, would just be like, right. go fuck yourself. Like I'm not part of Starfleet. Like I'm going to do what I want. Like leave me alone. And Archer then is in a difficult position about his defense of the Nausicans in that, in, if that's the story, makes more sense to me. Where he's he's trying to stop a kind of renegade human faction from attacking villains, which is to, sort of to restore the peace. But he's not actively taking the side of the Nausicans. He's just trying to prevent mm-hmm. something from happening. Yeah. And you could also get Travis involved earlier, too, because if, you know, if you've got maybe if Travis is the is the point man who ends up being the first person to know about the the uh the the prisoner you can set up him 
empathizing with the the freighter guys and then he's like okay great you've got this prisoner let's go tell the captain and then you know we'll get this all worked out and it'll be you guys will be fine and then they go to the captain and archer's like eh we're not going to do this the way you think we should and so now travis is in the middle being like wait a minute what do you mean right but you know you've you've you're you're now pulling him in both directions instead of just having one scene where he's on the freighter side until archer says uh maybe no yeah and then it's like yeah you're probably right yeah he's my captain point extra g says more importantly uh i as travis back on this ship uh who is there to screw in the ship? Because <laughs> I've been telling everybody that these these ships are like it's like Jamaica, drunken Jamaica on these freighter ships. So just point us <laughs> yeah. in the right direction. It's just uh, the freighter. That's kind of a funny scene. Is like the freighter not living up to these tall tales that Travis has been telling everyone. So <laughs> when he goes over there, he's like, he's like, you guys like to party, right? He's like, where's the coke? They're like, no, we just uh, we read and study botany. They're like, oh come yeah. on, guys, like get the get the disco lighting out and everything. Well, I mean, this wall has a hole in it. <laughs> Arch is like, Travis, you, you told us things were going to be exciting over here. And he's just like, come on, guys, come on. <laughs> Point Extra G says, revenge is bad, folks. Okay. Seriously, though, I do like them addressing how advances in warp technology will affect the old school spacefarers. Just like in history, things advance and the old ways are forgotten. Will Yates says, I really like the premise of regular people in space for this episode more than the execution. It really remi- reminds me of settlers and Native Americans in the Old West. The theme of progress is probably even more poignant when this is released than it is now with the first millennials graduating high school and the internet becoming the beast that we know today. I did like seeing the middle of human cultural evolution from what we are now to TNG. I kind of love the Nausicaan casual business attire. Lastly, Enterprise is really good at world building, even if it's mostly empty. Which is an interesting take. Uh Mm. I, I mean, yeah, I, I would guess I, my phrase on that would be, enterprise is ripe for world building, and they're not doing it in the way that they need to, um, mm. which is a little bit more of a criti- uh, like a negative take on that. <coughs> Kyle Barrett says, insert credence Clearwater reference here. I did it at the top, Kyle. A pretty naff episode. It was on the verge of doing something interesting when Travis went to Archer's quarters for a debate, but then Archer delivers some generic pap about humanity, which barely connects to the conflict, and Travis <laughs> is satiated back to his boring background self. However, I do like rewatching the episode just for the novelty of it being Mayweather-centric. If I remember correctly, this is the first of only two Travis episodes of the whole series, so it contains 50% of his entire character journey. Although, I had to fast forward <laughs> through the scene in the mess hall. That Ryan guy needs to learn to eat with his mouth closed, that dirty bastard. And Kyle is right. There's only two Travis-focused episodes in the entire series, so this is one of really? them. Really? That scene with Archer is, it is basically like Travis brings him this big ethical question, and Archer's like, well, some folks are born made to wave the flag. <laughs> and, uh, ooh, they're red, white, and blue, but when the band plays Hail the Chief, oh, they point the cannon at you. <laughs> he rings the doorbell. He's like, is that the tax man? Is that the tax man out there? <laughs> this house looks like a rummage sale. <laughs> Just, sir, your cabin looks like a rummage sale. Uh, Stephen Minton, last comment. Fortunate son, I like that Enterprise manages to embed even the smaller, less important episodes within the larger context of humanity's slowly expanding sphere of influence. The Warp 5 engine is a game changer, and Enterprise tries to show it. Unfortunately, the episode itself is not very interesting. So far, Travis is not a very compelling character, and his speech at the end about possibilities and certainties is so trite that I was genuinely surprised that it convinced Ryan to give up on his quest. Two mystery meals out of five. Here's a question, completely unrelated to any of this. You're flying into Vietnam in the trailer for your Vietnam movie. Do you use Fortunate Son or do you use All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix? Watchtower. Uh, without knowing anything else about this movie, it's Watchtower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is the most. If it's Oliver Stone, it's Fortunate Son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Let's see. That's it. Thank you very much, guys, for uh, the comments. The enlightened man. The enlightened man would say run through the jungle, but that's maybe a different. It's not really a helicopter scene. <laughs> right. It's yeah. more of like a, it's more of like a, you're the only guy left in your platoon yep. and you've got like five bullets left. Then you use run through the jungle. Thank you, patrons, for leaving comments. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you, everybody, for supporting and listening. Clay, on a scale of one to five, what are you going to give uh, Fortunate Son? Oh, we're now dicing the middling episodes into smaller quantifiable numbers. 
that's the thing. It's like, it's fine, I guess. There's nothing bad. What did I give the last one? A three? You give it a three. Did I, yeah. I give Civilization... If I gave Civilization a three, I have to give this one a three. Yeah, I think I think Civilization... <laughs> Do you want to go back and change Civilization? I think this is better than Civilization, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. This is... Yeah, I think probably retroactively... I, I might be doing this a lot. I don't know. But retroactively, yeah, maybe Civilization is a two and this is a three. Yeah. Because it's... Ugh. Yeah. Mm. I think Archer. I think. I think this. You know what? No, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna retroactively give Civilization a two. I'm also gonna give this a two. Yes, that's because that's where I'm going. Because I think that this is too muddled for it to really make any impact. Yes, I think. I think if you took Archer out of this episode, it's a three for me. Yeah, I think that Archer yeah. is so fucked up and confusing here that I think it actually actively does harm to what the episode is trying to do uh so yeah. it's a two for me i think i think f- uh, going forward i'm gonna have to start thinking about the episodes that are fine as being not great right because there seems to be a lot of fine episodes that don't really do anything but are like technically good yeah and that uh, at a certain point the rate of return on that just starts to dip yeah 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 no 100 percent. i'm gonna give it a two clay will give it a two as well uh, and we'll move on fortunate son thank you very much for listening guys you can follow all the social media links down below at thepenskefile.com slash links patreon.com slash thepenskefile and i think that's pretty much it uh yeah clay do you have anything you want to say uh no we got a new rotten horror picture show coming out next week we're covering the innkeepers i think right yeah yes uh, which is a ghost story movie from Ty West, which is a nice slow burn that I, I really enjoy. A lot of people don't really like it, but I think it's really good. Um, and Badass should be back pretty soon once we get a couple more in the in the hopper for that one. That's it. Guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. That was Fortunate Son. And the next one is Cold... Cold... What is it? It's like Cold... Funky Cold Medina? Cold Front cold front which has people pointing very interestingly in the picture um so we'll have that is that it that's is that it (laughs) no what that no they're just doing the weather green screen i think they're showing the cold front coming through it's going to be chilly unseasonably cool as they say which is uh, my self-description as well have you ever seen uhf the weirdo yankovic movie i have not in forever one of my favorite little jokes i don't even know if you can call it a joke but <laughs> there's a point where he's walking down the street and he walks by a, like a bus like a bench at a bus station like bus stop and there's a blind guy with a rubik's cube and a guy sitting next to him and the blind guy will move the things around and go is this it and they go nope and then he moves it around again and goes, is this it he goes, nope <laughs> it's so good (laughs) guys thank you very much for listening we'll be back with cold front let us know what you thought about fortunate son and we'll see you later see ya